Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again. I am Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is the Faith Radio Network. Um, thank you for each of you joining uh, in this conversation today across the country and around the world. Um, a special good morning to those of you um, tuning in from Belgium. I see you because I get this little uh, report uh, about where people are listening. And so, yeah, I see you over there in Belgium. Um, and so good day to you. I happen to know it's not morning anymore, which means, you know, you've already made it through the part of the day that we're still looking forward to. So, you know, thanks for being ahead of us um, and, you know, keeping watch care as we were waking up this morning here in the United States. Um, the headlines are are hard um, today, and I recognize that. So I wanted to bring you a couple of headlines uh, that you might have missed that come out of um, the entire storyline and narrative of what's going on in Ukraine and then the response around the world. Um, And I I wanted to bring you these two stories because they are um, they are hopeful. And I think that when we can find um, not just silver lining, but when we can find real hope and we can help turn the conversation from just the devastation of war um, to the very real hope that we have, Uh, in God and his presence and his provision um, and his calling to do what we can in the days in which we live, then I think that, you know, we we become empowered. There's an empowerment that comes. So let's help uh, reconnect the eternal with the everyday by taking these headlines and then applying the mind of Christ. So I bring you 11-year-old Hassan. Hassan is Ukrainian. His mother uh, put his passport in a plastic bag and wrote a phone number on his hand, um, bundled him up, and put him on a train. He traveled 620 miles by himself uh, uh, to arrive at the uh, Ukrainian border with Slovakia um, because the number on his hand would work there. And uh, he arrived, and they called that number um, and Hassan was then uh, matched up with extended family that lives in Slovakia. His mother is a widow. Her town is next to a nuclear power plant that Russian forces have been attacking. She put her son on a train um, when, uh, when the Russians assaulted the plant. She could not leave her mother because her mom can't move on her own. Um, and so this mom says, I wept, I wept. Um, And I wrote the number on his hand. And so I just want to lift this story up to you because not only has Hassan arrived safely and is in the safe, you know, safe fellowship of um, this shelter being provided by uh, extended family. But I was so mindful that God has engraved us on the palm of his hand. 
Isaiah 49, 16 leapt out at me from this story where God says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. I was also mindful of Jeremiah 31, verse 33, where God says, I will make a covenant with the house of Israel. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. That's quoted twice in the book of Hebrews. God wants his word written on our hearts. And he certainly wants us to know that our names are engraved on the very palm of his hand. So that when we arrive, right, when we arrive after a hard journey, passport in a plastic bag, um, we're going to be welcomed and we're going to have shelter and we're going to have a home. How do I know that? Because Jesus has gone ahead of us and prepares a place for us that where he is, we would be also. Like these headlines are alive with the promise of the gospel if we as gospel people would simply make those connections. So I have another story, but I'm going to hold off on sharing it. Um, It falls into the what can I do because I cannot just do nothing category. And it's a good news story about the way two um, Harvard students have responded to the crisis in Ukraine. But we will talk about that after our conversation with Dr. Linda Mental, who is waiting right now in the wings. I have asked her to help us understand what we do with the stress of war and the stress of watching war. How do we just go on with uh, what's before us today? So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Now, Dr. Linda Mental, she's a licensed marriage and family therapist, a licensed clinical social worker, national expert on relationships and the psychology of food, weight, and body image. She joins us regularly. You can find her at drlindamental.com and here on the Faith Radio Network, the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Linda, welcome back. Good morning. Wow, what a powerful story that you just shared. You know, I, I just thinking, Carmen, as you were talking about that mom and and her son. I, I, first of all, I was thinking, what what is it like for the son to be on a train all by himself and all this chaos and horror and all everything? And then for a mom to to have that courage to say, I'm going to do whatever I can to save my son. I mean, we can all relate to that, right? As as moms and uh, and and anybody who has a family member, just so difficult uh, during this time and the things that are happening. But you're right. The analogy you made to the safety. And the security with the Lord is just phenomenal in the middle of any kind of tragedy, in the middle of any type of suffering. If we can keep our focus, that's why the Lord says, keep your eyes focused on me and I will keep you in perfect peace. Just to put your mind on me. So it's a great way to just start my day listening to that. Mm, thank you. Um, thank you. So I think, Linda, when I, um, I mean, I sent you this question and you so kindly um, reflected on it and um, are ready to talk with us about it. I mean, this has been the issue in my own home, in my own conversations with many other people. Like, what do I do? What do I do with all the stress created um, by the reality of war halfway around the world, the stress of watching war on my social media feed um, and and then just get on with my day? Like, how do I how do I do that? 
Yeah, I think, first of all, I think it's really important just to understand what happens to a person when they're watching all those images of war. So we have learned a lot from the mass shootings in our country, from the unrest that we've seen with the racial divide. We've we've learned a lot from 9-11. We know in the work of trauma that if you are constantly watching traumatic images, that you also can feel trauma, that you can experience similar symptoms that people who later then experience post-traumatic stress um, symptoms like nightmares and intrusive thoughts and difficulty sleeping, anxiety. So we have to be really, really mindful of what is going on internally in ourselves as we're watching these images. There's a part of us that wants to know, and there's a there's a very big psychology in news media where they show you the most emotionally charged the most graphic things that they can possibly show you because it gets viewers and people want to watch that. There's this sort of need inside of each of us that says, if I watch it somehow, I'm protecting myself or I'm doing something. It's not this not conscious thing, but it's something that happens inside of our, our brains. And then, but the more we watch and the more we keep flooding ourselves with this, and we have to remember that we, with social media, we have access to so many images. We can literally be bombarded every moment of the day if we choose to look at updates. So pay attention to how that is impacting you is my first thing. Now, I know that's very self-focused and that isn't, you know, humanitarily focused, but you have to pay attention to yourself so that you're not getting overly, overly stressed and anxious, because that is a real thing for some people. And the other thing is it makes people sometimes get desensitized to the things that are going on because you see them over and over again. For some people, it activates a type of aggression and anger, and then they don't know how to regulate that and deal with that. And I think the most important one I'll say, um, and then we can talk about some other things you can do. But the most important is just be mindful of your children. And if you have elementary age kids, I would not have them watching the news and watching these images over and over. They just can't process that. They don't know what, they can't put that in their brains in any meaningful way because of their stages of development. So all it does to a lot of children is frighten them. Um, and you don't want to make them even more anxious. They can't say, if somebody over there is getting bombed and they see that, is that going to happen in my backyard tomorrow? Mm -hmm. They don't have that type of uh, discerning or what we would call concrete, this very concrete in their head versus the formal operations of their of their cognition. So you've got to be shielding of especially very young children. I um, I would add to the young children, the developmentally delayed because mm. I have a, you know, a person with different cognitive abilities in my household who processes images and information very differently. So even though he's 16, he sees things like about an eight-year-old. And yeah, so, I mean, yeah, with him, I'm aware that like when we hear that where there was a tornado in Tulsa, he's he's worried here like right yeah and so yeah. i think that that's evidence to me that that's where he is in terms of um his cognitive development so even though he's older um and so i might think you know pg-13 is okay or whatever um developmentally the way his mind processes processes what he sees and hears you know he's still a child and i think that um i'm always mindful um uh, when you when you and i talk about ages and stages that um, it's a good reminder for everybody listening, particularly those of you engaged, 
you know, with a with a broad community of people um, that developmentally not everybody is at their, um, you know, predictable age stage. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah it is. And, and I think also temperament of your child. I, I, there are children mm. who can somehow see things and it isn't quite as impactful, although I would argue that it impacts in a way that they might not be able to verbalize. But temperaments, very sensitive children who have a lot of deep empathy just by their temperament differences, this, these things become very, very hard for them to, to regulate and process, and they get fearful and they get anxious. So I think we expose children way too much to violent images and to suffering images and to uh, scary and frightening things. And then we don't understand why maybe they're having difficulty in their day or they're not sleeping well at night or they're having problems with friends. I think we really just need to say, uh, it's my job as a parent, just like that mom on that, sending that child on the train, it's my job to protect my children. That doesn't mean we put our head in the sand and we don't pretend that there are problems around us, but we need to protect them and we need to help them understand that bad things will happen, but there is always a hope and that I'm here to protect you. And in the Lord, we can go to him for safety. So these are times where you want to think about not only impact of what you are seeing, but the other people in your family and what's happening with them. So good. We're talking with Dr. Linda Mental. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. What do we do with the stress that's created in our heads and hearts and minds um, by the images we're seeing you know, real time, um, people in, engaged in and subjected to real warfare. Um, and then uh, how do we uh, how do we get on with uh, the days of our lives? We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. So I read these uh, two paragraphs, and then I sent Dr. Linda Mental a note over the weekend. The two paragraphs I read um, are uh, by an article by Megan Gallagher, uh, and they are about a little school in New York City called the St. George Academy. Every morning for the past few weeks, students and staff at St. George Academy in New York City start their day by checking to see if relatives and friends in Ukraine are still alive. We're shell-shocked, said Andrew Stavo principal of the tiny Ukrainian Catholic high school in the East Village. We have students breaking down and crying. We're trying to run school as normally as possible, but it's impossible not to be thinking of Ukraine. So how do we process um, what's going on in the world? Yes, half a world away, but right in the palm of our hands, and then get on with our regular day. We're talking with Dr. Linda Mental about it. She is um, going to be, it is going to be posted at drlindamental.com. And so we're going to keep an eye out for it there and then I'll push it out on social media. Um, but we're going to, the notes for today's conversation are going up. And so uh, I want you to know that in advance in case you don't get all the notes while we're talking right here. Um, what can we do, Linda? So, so that's a, that's a great kind of lead in because those are, those are students who are living it, you know, they're living it with their relatives. And so they have a much more of a, an impact on their day-to-day -day functioning where some of us have a little bit more distance. I know some people that are, um, you know, in Ukraine still, and I've visited, I've been in Kiev, and I, I understand a little bit more about the country, probably because I've been there. So there are some more personal ties for some people, but the brain is a, is an amazing thing in the way God designed us and that he helps us defensively uh, deal with these very difficult things. And so one of the ways 
that you can deal with this in a healthy, defensive way is to try to not not just protect yourself, but take what you're you're dealing with and push it out into very proactive social ways. So those children can pray for their relatives. Um, that is a we know there's power in prayer, and they're in a a probably a um, orthodox or I don't know what kind of school that is, but where they can use their faith and they can pray. We know pray prayer works. Prayer does things. You've heard stories of people being saved and um, miraculous things in the middle of all this. So encouraging each other with the hope of the Lord and what God can do even in the middle of difficulty, but also doing things, writing to, uh, you know, people, uh, sending humanitarian aid, finding ways that you and your little community, there have been all kinds of things that have popped up in my community of people trying to send supplies to people in the Ukraine, organizing uh, humanitarian efforts, making sure that people are getting basic needs met, you know, meeting people at borders. I mean, just all kinds of things that you can do. So when we put our energies into a focus of something that's very pro-social, we're helping, we're engaging, we're doing something, that really does help us in the time of something that is very difficult. And that's why you see, Carmen, when there's a tragedy, when we had 9-11, you saw people in New York City helping each other in miraculous ways. That is because that's how we have to deal with the horror of what's going on, is to bond, bind together, you know, have a common bond, um, and especially a spiritual bond in the time like this. And then I think it's good, get those kids out, get them exercising, get them moving, um, get them singing, do something that again, sort of de-stresses the body. So there's always two parts to this. One is self-care, which is the limiting your exposure and maybe doing something to get yourself physically exercised so that you can release some of that stress. But then the other part of being very pro-social where you're doing things to help those people um, in need or any organization that's supporting them in a good way, and then encouraging uh, by activating your faith and praying and getting prayer groups together and making sure targeting a particular family uh, with messages of hope and encouragement, that type of thing. Uh, I have an opportunity here in my own community to um, you know, tangibly care for uh, a mom and her three girls. Um, the dad is uh, now in Poland, but they um, they were in Ukraine, have been long-term serving with crew, and they're now here in my community. And so I, I will tell you, it, it was strangely helpful to my heart that I mm -hmm. could, you know, take them a, tea, a teapot and some tea and some cookies that are from Poland and like, right? I mean, it took me half the day mm -hmm. to track down local things that, you know, might touch a, a, a heart from half a world away, but it was strangely empowering. Um, and then Jim, my husband, um, has a connection to a pastor in Richmond, Virginia, um, and they have a partnership, really close partnership with a church in um, Moldova. And, you know, and he's choosing to give through that specific uh, congregation here to the congregation there, because for him, that is, you know, hands he's held, a place he's been, people he's looked into the eyes of. And so I do think that there are opportunities for us to do tangible things that then seem to help us get on with the regular living of life. 
Well, it's why the gospel is so specific about serving and giving mm-hmm. to other people, that this is the way the church was designed. It wasn't about sit in your home and think about everything you need all the time. And that's what our country has become. We're all so I-focused and I, 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 I need, I need, I need, I need. And the gospel really was about, you know, giving a person your, your jacket if they need it, you know, helping a person, serving a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. This is all through the gospel. What can I do to serve my brother who is in need? And so now when we see this, and and lots of communities have news stories every night. We have a news story every night with people in our community from Ukraine, and they're talking about what we could do and what needs to be done and how we can help and what we can do to serve. And getting on that is just part of the way that we're built to reach out to another person. That is the hands and feet of Jesus, is doing things and serving other people rather than being so concerned about yourself. Now, I'm not saying don't be at all concerned about yourself because you have to do self-care in the process of helping others so that you're strong enough to do the things you need to do. So it's not an either or, but our focus should be on what can we do. And And the mind is so helped by doing those things. And and this isn't, you know, this is just in the secular world. We know that serving helps people, but we know because Jesus set up the church to do that, that this, there really is much more than just a secular principle here. It's a powerful, spiritual, transforming act that happens when we take the love of Christ and we show it to another person. So whatever you can do and use this time I want to say this, use this time to talk to your children about suffering in the world. It's such a hard conversation because we don't understand and we don't know, but to always draw them back to we're safe and secure in the Lord, no matter what, we're safe and secure in the Lord. He has He has our best in mind. He, our lives are in his hand, like you said. He has everything in his control. None of this is a surprise. God didn't wake up this morning and go, oh, wow, the Russians did that. You know, everything, he knows what's going on. And so to help your children say, I don't really, we don't understand it. We don't know why. We know why people suffer because we're on the other side of eternity at this point and we live in a broken world. But helping them anchor themselves. People need an anchor in the time of a storm. And being able to talk and give them that anchor is something that's very important. Mm. So good. So helpful. That's Dr. Linda Mental. You can find her at the Dr. Linda Mental Show. You can also find her at drlindamental.com, where the notes from today's conversation, um, well, I think will be posted uh, within 24 hours. So there you go. You can be keeping an eye out there. Uh, Linda, as always, thank you so much. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We'll be right back. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is the Faith Radio Network. Um, I got to share with you that, you know, I love, I love you, but this morning I especially love JB. JB is in uh, Maui. I got to scroll back here. Uh, in, in Maui, um, 3,900 miles away, it, it is uh, 220, well now 233 in the morning. JB says, I usually do the podcast, but I just wanted to join you live. I mean, the sun's not even up. Two, two, two thirty-three in the morning. The sun's nowhere, nowhere close to up. So, JB, g- good morning, um, good day, good fellowship. Thanks for being here. Little jealous of the Kona coffee you're probably going to be sipping on. Um, thankful, thankful, thankful for you and this technology. Um, and thank you if you have ever contributed to Faith Radio. If you're a part of our listener support, 
um, you're making it possible for JB to participate right now in this ministry. So just consider that for a moment. Um, If you've ever given um, to Faith Radio, God has taken that gift. He has multiplied it to his glory. And he has uh, friends listening right now in Belgium and friends listening right now in Hawaii. Um, And people listening in places and spaces where we will never know. Um, because that's the power not only of radio, but of streaming technology at MyFaithRadio.com and digital technology via the Faith Radio app. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you who are um, a part of the listener support of this um, of this broadcast ministry. I'm going to ask a question right now, and I want you to think about it for just a second. So this is a thinking question. Put your little thinking cap on. <clears throat> what is education? What is education? Is it primarily the teaching of material or primarily the transfer of information? Or is education really the way the mind is enlightened and transformed so that a person can actually think? What is education? We're going to talk with Elizabeth Urbanowitz about the Foundation Worldview Curriculum because this approach to education, I think, for uh, those of us who are Christians is the right approach to education, and it will cultivate a thinking people among the next generation. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Elizabeth Urbanowitz is the founder and CEO of Foundation Worldview. You can find everything we're going to talk about today at foundationworldview.com. Elizabeth, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for having me on, Carmen. All right. You already know I totally love you. I love what you're doing. Um, Tell people why we need to um, educate our kids in worldview Um, And then tell us how Foundation Worldview Curriculum helps us do that. Yes. Well, I think that anyone who is just alive today understands that we're living in such a different age than we were 30, 40 years ago, just because of the prevalence of information that's coming our way. You know, our children are exposed to more truth claims in one year of their life than most humans throughout human history have been exposed to throughout their entire lifetime. So while scripture is the same as it always has been, Jesus is in the business of saving people as he has always been, the way in which we need to prepare our children to live faithfully in this culture is a little bit different than it was in the past, because we need to prepare them to combat just these thousands of competing ideas that are vying for their attention. And now, you know, as parents and as church leaders and even Christian educators, we we would love to be able to protect our children from every false idea, from every lie that's coming their way. But there's so many new things coming down the pipeline on YouTube and TikTok and everywhere that what we need to do is we need to actually give them skills that they are transferable and that they can use in any and every situation in which they find themselves. So that's what we seek to do at Foundation Worldview. We're trying to really um, reach children in the early developmental stages when their critical thinking skills are just beginning and teaching them the big questions that every worldview has to answer. Questions like, 
who is God? What does it mean to be human? How can I tell right from wrong? What is the meaning in life? And showing them how does Christianity answer these questions? How do other worldviews answer these questions? What is there? What are the similarities? What are the differences so that they are the ones that are discovering that Christianity lines up with reality in a way that no other worldview does. And then we give them the opportunity to actually watch YouTube clips and things from Disney plus and say, okay, find the worldview that's there and explain whether or not what is presented is true or false and how, you know, because we just want to equip the next generation to know and love and trust Jesus in every area of their lives. All right. You've turned everybody on um, because <laughs> they just, well, they just heard you. Like we just heard you talk about something that we've all been looking for. Like we, we love that there are curriculums that teach our kids the, the Bible stories, but we yearn for um, a curriculum that helps us help our kids think in ways that nobody ever taught us to think. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about that because I guarantee you there are people listening right now are saying to themselves, I want to do that, but now I'm terrified because I've never (laughs) been trained in worldview or apologetics. Can I use the foundation worldview curriculum to help my kid develop the mind of Christ on the matters of the day? Right. And yes, and, and maybe I'll get it too. Yes. And if that is you who's listening and feeling that way, I can tell you, I 100% relate to you because I was teaching at a Christian school when I noticed the students in my classroom, just rapidly absorbing ideas from culture without ever asking any questions. And I was like, what is going on? Like they come from these great Christian homes. I'm giving them a biblically based education. They're involved in church. What can I do? And I just started looking for materials that would equip them to evaluate every idea they encountered and understand the truth of the Christian worldview. And I couldn't find anything. And so that's what sent me down on this long journey of studying apologetics and studying worldview, and then eventually creating materials for the children in my own classroom. And that's where foundation worldview came from. It just started in my own third grade classroom. And so if you're feeling intimidated about this, I completely understand because anytime we're asked to, you know, instruct our children in something that we ourselves are not familiar with, it's terrifying (laughs) because we're thinking, oh my goodness, what if I do this wrong? What if they ask a question that I can't answer? What if they, you know, like, what if they end up turning away from Christianity, because I don't do this. Well, like those are, those are real fears. And so that's why our goal at foundation worldview is we say to create a digital box that has everything that you need in it. You know, that the, with the way that the Lord has gifted me and other members of my team is we understand how kids learn. We understand what's needed in order to transform the way a child thinks and really give them tools that they need to think well. And so we create the materials for you. We even do all the teaching through videos. I just know that when I was in the classroom, anytime I was asked to teach a subject that I hadn't learned when I was in elementary school or, you know, middle school, high school, or college, I would always save it until the end of the day and hope like maybe we'll run out of time because I was so intimidated to teach it. So that's why we even have teaching videos because that's all you have to do is just, you know, gather a few materials together, press play and sit there with your child and interact with them as they're going through these materials so that you can be equipped alongside the children that God has placed in your care. It's so fantastic. We're going to continue our conversation with Elizabeth Aranowitz here in just a moment, but I know that you want to write it down. Foundationworldview.com. Foundationworldview.com. We are talking about um, how to help our kids ages four to 14. And frankly, beyond that, it's not like if you missed doing this, you can't um, pick it up, um, you know, even when they're a little bit older than that. Um, We're talking about a curriculum that uh, will prepare your children to biblically navigate the culture we live in today. Uh, 
So we're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. All right, Elizabeth Urbanowitz is helping you and I put the tools in our toolbox that helps us then train up our children in the way they should go, not just with like a banking theory of education that makes sure they know all the right words and all the right stories, um, but that they can actually think through things for themselves from a biblical worldview. So um, how are you cultivating in the next generation the ability to think? There's no way that you and I can anticipate everything our kids are going to encounter. Um, the world is changing too rapidly. We can't anticipate every challenge. We can't anticipate every truth claim, but we can equip them with the truth um, and and then help them learn how to use it as a tool in each and every situation. So, that's what the foundation worldview curriculum is all about. It's not a curriculum in the traditional sense. It's not like books and worksheets. It's digital. You can check it all out at foundationworldview.com. Um, Elizabeth, talk with us. Um, give us maybe like a super duper practical example. So I have a child who's a particular age. There's a particular cultural conversation that you're going to teach us um, how to engage in. Yes, that's a great question. And so these are just even uh, things that I saw in my own classroom. Like I had students when I was correcting their handwriting, tell me something like, don't judge me, <laughs> you know, which actually made me laugh because it was kind of comical at the time, but just think, wow, these are cultural mantras that students have just picked up without ever questioning that. So what we do is we actually take time to dive into what are the meaning of different words. So we'll look at words like judgment and love and tolerance and faith. And we'll say, okay, how have these words been traditionally defined? And we'll go through the traditional definitions and we'll say, okay, in our culture, how have some of the meanings of these words changed over time so that when we're talking with someone, we might be completely talking past one another. So we'll give them alternate definitions to these words, and then we'll give them sample conversations that they'll have to, you know, read through and then identify how is this word being used? So for example, with the word love, that's a word that has really been altered in our culture. And so, you know, the traditional biblical definition is love is giving of ourselves for someone else's best. So we're doing actually what is best for someone else by sacrificing of ourselves where our culture has changed that definition to love is doing whatever makes somebody else feel good, even if it's not what's best for them. So then we'll have them read through different situations and say, okay, how is this word being used? Is this person using love in the traditional sense and the biblical sense of giving of yourself for the betterment of someone else? Or is it just doing whatever makes someone feel good, whether or not that's actually what's best for them? So we're doing things like that to just equip them so that anytime they hear one of these buzzwords, they're thinking, okay, how is that word being used? Is it being used in the biblical way? Or is it just being used in a cultural way that's actually trying to get me to believe something? Thing that doesn't align with reality. And then we'll show them different clips from different, you know, like whether it's on YouTube or the Disney plus and say, okay, how is this character using this word? Does this idea align with God's word or is it actually from an alternate worldview? So we want to be really, really practical just with, you know, the ins and outs of where kids are today, you know, whether they're in public school or Christian school or homeschool, just so that they're prepared to think critically through every conversation they have every, you know, YouTube or TikTok video that they see anything that they encounter. So helpful. All right. You have made reference a couple of times to your own classroom 
And then just there, you know, you're talking about kids who are in all kinds of different learning environments. Um, I'm aware that this curriculum can be used in all kinds of environments. Can you just walk us around in a little bit of that? Because, like, I might just want to do this, you know, I don't know, with my grandkids. Um, mm-hmm. But other people might be in a homeschool environment or they might actually be able to take this with them and share it um, in a in a more traditional classroom setting. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so we wanted to make the our materials available to all different avenues, because we know that God has placed people in different ministry contexts, whether that's ministry within the home, ministry within your children's homes, ministry within the church, ministry in a school. And so we actually have different licenses that they all have the same base materials. Like they all have the same teaching videos and the same activities for kids to do, but they include just different supplementary resources um, based on your context. So we have family licenses that some people use in a traditional homeschool setting. Other people use it for family discipleship. They'll choose one day a week, you know, to set aside an hour a day to go through this with their kids. So if you do that, if you set aside one hour a day, one day a week for 30 weeks, you can make it through, you know, one of our entire curriculums that we have available. Then we have other licenses for churches because some churches want to include this in their Sunday school or in, you know, their Wednesday evening ministry. And so we have resources there and there we have like uh, sheets that go home with the kids so that their parents, you know, get caught up on the same page of everything that they've learned when they were in the church setting. And then we also have traditional school, um, school materials, which include things like assessments, you know, because you need to provide grades, you know, in some form of assessment for every class that you do in school. So we have, you know, these different licenses just to try to meet people right where they're at. It's so good. I just, I, it's so fun and helpful. Um, people are, um, you know, pointing to, um, to other folks and resources. Um, talk about some complementary ministries to what you're doing. Um, cause I know that you're engaged. I just think that sort of in the resourcing world, like, mm-hmm. um, beyond what you're doing at foundationworldview.com, um, are there other ministries that you feel closely aligned with that you could lift up and celebrate? Yes, absolutely. Because our goal at Foundation Worldview, you know, we're not trying to meet meet a need that's already being met. We're trying to, you know, like meet this need that there's a hole there and then partner with other people who are doing excellent, you know, jobs in other areas. So one of our really big time ministry partners is Mama Bear Apologetics. Um, The ladies there, they write books and create materials for moms, you know, busy moms on the go who really want to equip their kids well. So we do projects with them all the time. So Mama Bear Apologetics is a great ministry partner. Um, we also, we don't officially partner, but we love to endorse, um, impact 360 Institute. They have an amazing gap year program for, um, high school students before they're going into college. And they do such a great job of training the students there in worldview and apologetics summit ministries. They do a fabulous job, you know, with high school students training them in worldview. We also love, you know, just different, uh, influencers like Elisa Childers. She always has a great resources for adults just to equip them critically, as well as Natasha Crane and Mike Winger. So there's so many different people that God has placed in this world that we just love pointing others towards because they have fabulous resources. All right. Mama Bear Apologetics, Impact mm-hmm. 360 Institute, Subit mm-hmm. Ministries, Alyssa Childers, Natasha Crane. And who was the last person you said? I wasn't writing fast enough. Oh, sorry. I was speaking a little quickly. <laughs> it was Mike Winger, uh, but he's the Bible finger on YouTube. Mike Winger, the Bible thinker. All right. Mm-hmm. He's the only one whose name is totally new to me. So there you go. Um, I'm going to check him out. 
Thank you so much. All right. So, um, Elizabeth, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I love what you're doing and so appreciate the spirit and winsomeness with which you do it. You guys need to check out um, and connect with Elizabeth Foundation Worldview.com. As always, my friend, thank you for being here. It was my pleasure, Carmen. So great. So great. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Some rhubarb pie, that's what it's all about. Rhubarb pie. What? Paul found a song about rhubarb pie, which he knows is my favorite. Oh, welcome back. Good, You're, sir. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. It's pie day. It's pie it day. Is. That's why Paul's playing that. Um, all right. So I want to um, take, I got two minutes. I'm going to, this is going to be super fast, but you're going to want to know about it. So in the Washington Post, I read this good news story about these teenagers who, um, you know, after they are watching what's happening in the war in Ukraine, they're like, what can we do? What can we do? They want to do something. So these two 18-year-old boys, um, they're both technically students at Harvard, although one of them is taking a gap year. So these Harvard teens have developed a website matching Ukrainian refugees with people offering places to stay around the world. Um, um, Avi Schiffman is one of these young men. He's describing it as a super fast, stripped down version of Airbnb. Um, and when the Washington Post ran this story on the 10th of March, there were more than 4,000 hosts on the site. There are now almost twice that many. Um, Avi Schiffman was, um, uh, he's taking uh, a year and he's in San Diego working on a project. Um, he's got a friend back uh, at Harvard who he enlisted to help him. Um, boys who had met a couple of years earlier and developed a website together to track the coronavirus around the world. Um, now they are um, enlisting people around the globe. They've had their website translated into Ukrainian, Russian, Polish, Czech, Romanian. Um, it's And it's growing very, very rapidly. They literally worked all night, uh, you know, like around the clock for like three days because, you know, they're 18 years old and they can do that. And um, they translated the site into 12 languages, um, helping connect refugees fleeing the war in Ukraine Finding hosts, spare rooms, unused resort condos, mother-in-law apartments, school dormitories, on and on and on. Hey, if you've been thinking to yourself, what can I do to help? Here are two boys who said we can't just do nothing. So whatever it is, even if your idea seems like wacky and wild, so what? Um, Give it a shot. Do what you can do to help today. Um, It will not only help others, but it will feed your soul as well. Let's be lifting up these um, situations of prayer and concern to others. And I know you're going to ask me here for the website. And of course, as I'm scrolling the article, I can't, I can't immediately see it. It has the word shelter in it. Um, oh, I'm down to eight seconds. All right. Have a great day and God bless. Uh, Ukraine, take shelter. Ukraine, take shelter. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.